Father, feed us tonight and teach us, even as Pastor Joy has prayed. Please speak your heart. Please reveal your heart. Teach us through your scripture those things that you desire for us to know. In Jesus' name, may the Spirit of God speak through me. And God, even in spite of me. In Jesus' name. Love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, everything is starting to center in on Isaac, the son of promise. You remember Abraham was tested by God and he was asked to give up his son, his only son. Okay, as far as God was speaking, that son which came from him, the son of promise. And Paul will refer to this many times. He's going to talk about that covenant relationship with Abraham and that it is the relationship through faith. Faith is what makes us children of Abraham. So, of course, God spares Isaac. But we see in Abraham uh, an incredible man, an incredible man of God. I mean, to follow after the Lord to wait 25 years for a promise to be realized, to be reassured time again, yes, but then no fruit for 25 years, or at least it appeared that that way, but he had to walk with God. He had to trust God. And I see in that, and I truly believe that this is a reflection of you and me. I believe it's a reflection of what God expects of you and me. I see when God looked down and he chose Abraham, He saw someone who would love him, who would listen to him, who would truly obey him. That does not mean that Abraham was perfect, nor are we. And that doesn't mean that Abraham didn't have his occasional hiccup along the way and uh, his, I guess you'd say, struggle with trust from time to time as he would tell people, you know, oh, that's not my wife, Sarah, she's not my wife, you know, and uh, he tried to hide that fact because he was afraid somebody was going to hurt him and God time again would show him, no, it's fine. I'm going to protect you. As a matter of fact, he told Pharaoh he was going to kill him if he did anything. And he told, was it Abimelech? I believe it was. But anyway, he's told several people. He said, look, I'm sparing your life. Don't you dare touch this man's wife. Because you've got to think about it. This is also a story about Sarah. Everybody puts this mind on Abraham and Isaac. But Sarah had to walk through faith. Sarah had to believe. And it was through her womb that Isaac would be born, and of course, Isaac comes, and then God asks him to sacrifice him, and then you think about the pain, you think about the struggle in the heart of Abraham as he is asked to sacrifice his son, and we were talking about all the parallels between Christ, you know, the wood on his back, his only son, uh, and then I was talking to Miss Phyllis at the end of the service the other day, which was an interesting point, we said it, but it didn't click with me at the time. And, you know, sometimes it takes very wise people to help me out, trust me. So I'm not saying that as a joke, that's true. So, but what she pointed out is, you know, Isaac probably was not a small child, probably was a teenager. And grabbing a teenager and deciding to bind that person and throw them on the wood probably would not have been an easy thing to do unless the son had chosen to yield to the will of his father. Now, how does that sound as another correlation between the life of Jesus and also with Isaac? Because here is Jesus, and he says, I'm here, you know, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And you see that submission to the Father. You see that in both. So just another neat parallel that I thought that she brought out, and I think it's absolutely true. But through it all, 
Abraham chooses God over everything that he loved, over everything else, every promise, even what he thought he was going to receive, even the promise of the great nation, all these kind of things. He chose God in that moment over everything else. And because of that, when God stops him, he says, Abraham, now I know. Well, of course God knew, but now Abraham knows too. He knows that by the grace of God that he can do this. This is not that Abraham did it on his own, but by trusting and believing what God said, that God would still fulfill everything that he promised. And so Abraham trusts God, he believes God, and it is uh, accredited to him, imputed to him, but he is righteous. God reckons him righteous. So righteousness comes by faith. Well, now the narrative in Scripture, we now have Father Abraham, okay? Now, Abraham, important, because whenever we look at the lineage of Jesus Christ, because the promise is, in Abraham's seed, all the nations of the earth will will be blessed. And we know that that's ultimately going to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But we also know this is going to be coming up later. God says that he will have uh, a king, David will have a king, or rather, let me rephrase, a kingly lineage, a descendant of David, will sit upon that throne forever, which means that Jesus also must come through the lineage of David. Now, to us, that may not be as big a deal, but understand whenever you're studying, whenever you look at the New Testament, whenever people are in the expectation of the Messiah, who is this prophet like Moses? Who is this one that is going to come to whom all the kingdoms of the earth will bow? Who is this Messiah? that is going to come. Well, they know already he will be a son of David and he will be a son of Abraham. So if you don't have that pedigree, hang it up. But he's coming, and that's a beautiful thing. So now we've gotten to Isaac, laughter. So Isaac comes. So now, I guess in our minds, biblically, where are we heading? We know that biblical history is heading towards Egypt. How do we get to Egypt? How are we ever going to wind up in Egypt? Well, that's going to be coming up here shortly. We're going to see through the children of, of uh, Isaac, we're going to be able to see the 12 tribes of Israel that are going to be coming up through Jacob and so on. So let's take a look at a couple of things. If you will, another theme that you will see in the scripture is you'll see all these righteous women are barren. They're not bearing children. They seek God, they trust God, and they believe God, and the next thing you know, they wind up with a baby. That's great. That's awesome that God would open their womb. But that also shows you, I guess you would say, the life that a lot of these people led. They were persecuted because to have the womb closed was a bad thing to them. You know, not to be able to bear children. They thought that you were cursed by God, but not so. So here we go. So Isaac's now here upon the earth, and uh, or yes, and, and his wife, Rebecca, we find out that she is barren. So they're going to have children, okay? They want to have children, and I want to turn your attention to Genesis, and we're going to be in chapter 25, but let's go down to Genesis chapter 25, and it's talking about the lineage of Abraham, but let's go to verse 21. So we'll start in 25, 21. Now I'll let, give everybody plenty of time to get there because sometimes I change things up and then they throw stuff at me. So let's see. It says, now Isaac, he pleads with the Lord. He pleads with the Lord for his wife. This would be Rebecca. 
So he pleads with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, uh, his wife, conceived. But the children, here we go. Now we find out there's two babies in here. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, if all is well, why do I feel like this? And she went to inquire of the Lord. The actual, if I'm not mistaken, the rendering there, I need to go back and look at it. But whenever she says, why am I feeling like this? I think that she's in pain. In other words, this is a very hard pregnancy on her. The children are moving constantly. And the expression is actually, how am I still living through this? Okay, so it's pretty rough on her. But anyway, she makes an inquiry of the Lord. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how she did that, but that she did inquire of the Lord somehow. And the Bible records a response. Now, quite interesting. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Okay, wow. So from her, what is going to come? Two nations are from your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Okay? So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. So the first one to come out is going to be Esau. So Esau is going to come out first, and then we're going to see Jacob coming out in the second. And by the way, you're going to see how the younger, being Jacob, is going to rule over and all these kinds of things later on. But let's, let's just see what's happening here. You say, Shane, why is this story important? Why is this one of those heartbeats in Scripture? Because we are establishing who Israel is. At this moment, this individual, this uh, Jacob that is going to be born, we need to understand some things from him. Because who he is, his character, what God turns him into, and also his children are where we're going to wind up with the 12 tribes of Israel. So without a Jacob, we do not have 12 tribes. So how do we get from here to there? And who is this person? So anyway... Rebecca gives birth, and we have this child that comes out, and uh, he's red in color, and he's very hairy, okay? And you say, okay, big deal, what, what's up with that? Well, he's really hairy, and we'll talk about that further in a little while. So he comes out first, he's red, and he was like a hairy garment all over. So they named him Esau. In case you're wondering, Esau means hairy. I guess it was just overwhelming. I don't know. The kid came out, and they thought he was a werewolf. I don't know. But either way, they looked at him and said, that's a hairy dude, and it stuck. Okay? So he's hairy. He's Esau. Okay, and they called his name Esau. After his brother came out, and his... Now, now listen to this. After his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel... So his name, I can't, what can I say? Afterward, I'm sorry, I can't speak English. Afterward, his brother, this is going to be Jacob. He comes out, but here's the deal. Whenever he comes out, when they delivered the first baby, you have this other baby that's holding on to his heel. Now you might say, okay, well, that's kind of neat. That's kind of cute. But what the Bible is saying is there's more to this than meets the eye. And people, I also believe that this is true, even in, our day. I believe it's true of human beings. There's a lot that we don't understand about one another. There's kind of these snapshots through history that reveal the nature of the person. Well, whenever the mother and the father, okay, 
whenever Isaac and Rebekah see this, he's grabbing for his heel. They name him Jacob. Now, Jacob means one that holds the heel, grasps for the heel, or the one that wants to supplant. In other words, uh, be in the place of, and it does carry the idea of deception. All of that is within this name. Well, that's kind of a strange thing to name your kid, but once again, one came out hairy, and another one comes out grabbing the hill, so I guess it was easy to name folk in that day. I just don't know. I won't tell you what my father said my real name was. It was the first thing he saw when I was born. Anyway, he was watching, if it's any consolation, he was watching the movie The Frog. So anyway. So anyway, we have Jacob and we have Esau. So they call him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when he bore them. Okay. So we have these two sons. And the Bible will tell us that Esau is a hunter. He's the man that's out there. He's the go-getter, that kind of thing. And we also have the nature of of Jacob. Jacob was a mild man. It it gives the idea of stability, yes, but uh, he's he's a scoundrel. That's what he is. His grasping for the hill really describes who he is because he's not a nice guy, and you're going to see it in living color right now. So let's take a look at this in 29, verse 29. Oh, let me go back to verse 28. It says, and Isaac loved Esau. You ready for that? So Isaac Loves his son Esau, and that's true, because he ate of his game. In other words, Esau brought him good food, and he says, I do love him, but you got this other part that says, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Well, Rebekah loves him to a fault, because she wants to put him out there and put him above everybody else. Now, it's true that in the prophecy from the Lord that Jacob was indeed going to be blessed, and we do have these two nations, I believe the Edomites and the others, but anyway, the Israelites, but... Either way, she favors him. And now let's take a look at what happens. In verse 29, it says, Now Jacob cooked a stew. So now Jacob's cooking. Seems it was a family trait. And it says, And Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. Weary is an understatement. He's in a bad place. And it says, And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with some of the red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom, and of course, we can go back, um, let me see, what did I say? It literally means red, okay? But anyway, therefore, his, his name of the people that come for him is going to be Edom. Verse 31, but Jacob says to him, sell me your birthright as of this day. And yes, they could sell their birthright. But now the birthright was this, and, and a lot of people kind of miss this. And I did early on. I, I thought that, you know, maybe the firstborn was just the most loved, the most favored. And, and that's not exactly what it is. The deal was, is that God, well, let's take it one step further and I'll come back to that. Okay, here it is, your family. Let's say you have two sons, okay? First son and the second son. The idea was this. If I gave and split the inheritance between the two, that could be fine. The only problem is that son number one is responsible for the family. He's responsible to make sure everything is taken care of. He's to make sure if mama, or let me rephrase, something happens to dad, he's got to take care of mom, the household, the sisters. He's got to take care of all of that. So it would not be fair to just hand him an equal portion as the other and say, now you still have to take care of everything and do everything. So because of his responsibility, he was given a double portion. 
which, by the way, if you go back and look at the scripture and you hear Elisha saying to Elijah, may I have a double portion of your spirit? Wow. He was saying, I want the portion of the firstborn. Well, if you saw the miracles that Elijah did, that's asking for a lot. And that's why he told him, he said, Bobby, you asking for a lot right now. And probably a lot of uh, trouble that comes along with it. But anyway, so he says, I want that. I want that double portion. He probably was just specifically looking out for himself because you're going to see that further on. But anyway, he says, sell me your birthright. And he says, I'll feed you. Verse 33, it says, then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Okay? Now look back at um, verse 32. I missed something there. It says, And Esau said, Look, I am about to die, so what is the birthright to me? Look at it this way. You're seeing a little bit more of the uh, nature of Jacob, but here's the deal. Your brother comes in. He's hungry. He wants something to eat. Who looks at your brother and says, oh, you're in a bad way. Give me your birthright and I'll feed you. Okay? Uh, I don't know about you, but that's a good way for two siblings to fight. Oh, I know you're holy. You would never do that. If I came in from the outside and I'm starving to death or I'm in a bad way and I look at my brother and I said, Kurt, you know, could could I have something to eat? And he looks at me. He says, give me your car. (laughs) Give me just a minute. I go in there, I cool up for a minute, and I say, now let's talk about that again. And that's when I killed him, Your Honor. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So anyway, you see the personality of this person. Now, I want to read you something. We don't have to go here necessarily on the screen, but I just want you to hear something. Whenever it comes down to Isaac, you will see God's promise always remains. And God's speaking to Isaac. He, he's telling him, you know, I love you, Isaac. I've loved your father. I've kept my word to your father. But I just want you to hear something. This is in 26 4, but we don't have to turn there. But it says, I will make, this is God speaking to Isaac, not Abraham. It says, I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give, you, uh, give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So he's telling him the same thing that I promised to Abraham. He says, I'm promising to you. That is, if you'll listen to me, love me, you keep my statutes, I'm going to do this. So you see this repetitive thing of God's promise. All right, let's go over to chapter 27. So we have this idea of Isaac. He's not necessarily the nicest person. He's using and abusing his brother. It doesn't matter what God's ultimate intention is. It does not excuse the behavior. So listen to me in this respect. Let's say God, speaking through a prophet, looked at an individual. Now, I want to be careful how I say this because, as a matter of fact, I want to use that guy's name. I'm going to use another person, okay? Let's just say John Doe. Everybody's familiar with him. Well, anyway, John Doe, let's say God prophesies and says, John Doe is going to be one of the greatest evangelists that has ever touched this planet. He is going to serve the Lord God. We are going to see millions come to Christ under his ministry. And let's say over the next years, we watch John Doe and John Doe winds up in prison. 
John Doe is addicted to all kinds of stuff, and his life is absolutely falling apart. Does that mean that what God said isn't coming to pass? No. This could be very much involved in the process of him coming to rock bottom, changing his life, and being saved, and ultimately realizing that, and let's say that's the case. Well, what we look at is we see in the Scripture these hints like whenever the babies were in the womb, that eventually Jacob is going to be great and that Jacob will be the preferred. So why is that whenever we see this person, even with his name being a supplanter, a deceiver, one who wants to grasp the hill or take away from another? Okay, well, let's take a little more look at this thing. We'll move fairly quickly through chapter 27. But check this out. Chapter 27, starting verse 1 says, Now it came to pass when Isaac was old. So we've moved pretty quickly through the life of Isaac. And now it is time for him. He wants to pass on the blessing to his children. He realizes his time's coming to an end. So he wants his children to come in and he's going to bless them. Obviously, when Isaac comes in, excuse me, excuse me, not Isaac, Esau. When Esau comes in, his intention is to give him the double portion because he loves his son. They even talked about that. And also, it is the rightful position However, I don't think he got to daddy's ears. Daddy probably would have uh, whooped up on it if he realized that probably he had sold his birthright or stolen it is how I prefer to say that. So what he does is he says, I'm going to bless my children. So his eyes, it says, his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son. And he said to him, my son, and he answered here, I am father. Then he says to him, behold, now. I'm old, and I don't know when I'm going to die. I know I'm going to be dying soon, but I'm not sure. He says, so what I want you to do, now therefore, please take your weapons, get all your good stuff together, get your quiver, your arrows, your bow. And he says, go out into the field. And he said, hunt some game for me and make me some savory food. Okay, he's wanting to eat. Make me the good stuff, son, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat and that my soul may bless you before I die. I want to bless you, my son. Now, Rebecca, which we remember she favored Jacob. Don't, don't be picking favorites, okay? Get you in all kinds of trouble. Unless it's me, and Jesus loves me the most. That's not true. Now, Rebecca, she was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went out into the field to hunt for game, uh, to bring it to his dad. So verse 6, it says, So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I hear your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me some savory food. And he said, I'm going to eat it. And he said, I'm going to bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen up, Jacob. This is what I need you to do. Obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me... Uh, from there, he said, bring me two of these young goats, two choice kids of the goats. And he says, I will make, she says, I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. In other words, you're going to need to get in there and get this birthright. Okay. So they conspire together. Verse 11, and Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. Yeah, we got it from the name, right? So uh, he's a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Not everybody can be like Mr. Cornelius over there who can grow a beard in like 30 seconds, you know. 
I have to work on it. As a matter of fact, it's the only reason I have a beard or a goatee is to prove to myself I can grow somewhere on my body that I can have hair. So anyway, so anyway, I need to stop. All right, where were we? So he says, I am a smooth-skinned man, verse 12. Perhaps my father will fill me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver. No kidding. Deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But the mother said to him, uh, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and get them for me. Be careful with that. People all the time will say, you know, I'll just, I'll just take the blame. I'll just take the blame. This curse stuff and this blessing stuff is real. So she needs to be careful what she's saying. You know, let your daddy be angry at me is one thing. Okay, verse 13. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went and he got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebecca took the choice, uh, the choice, I can't speak English, choice clothes of her elder son Esau. So he go, she goes and gets some clothes of Esau, which will have his scent and everything on it, which were with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And then she put skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Now, I got to tell you something. If somebody puts a dead animal on you so that you'll feel like somebody else, I think the name Esau was right. Are y'all getting that? Okay, my point is, is if that man's that hairy... I don't know. He may have been a Sasquatch. I'm not sure. <laughs> There's something I want to say, but I'm not. Okay. No, I was... Okay, I will. I'm going to say it. <laughs> everybody, supposedly, all over the world, everybody has seen the Sasquatch, right? You know, somebody out there says, I have seen this. You, Who's seen him? You, I didn't know. I mean... You might be related. I don't know. But here's my thing. Here's my thing. If Bigfoot exists, we need to find him and have him train our military. Because anybody that can stay hidden that long, our special ops will be awesome. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Anyway, that has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. Okay? So let's, let's, let's skip and move on. And you will find that, yes, I am a weird, weird, pitiful human being. Okay, so let's see. They put these skins on his neck and on his body so that he will feel like Esau. Then she gave the savory food and bread which he had prepared. She puts it in the hand of Jacob. So, now, all of this is preparatory to some statements. It says, so he went to his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am. Uh, who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. Catch that. He lies to daddy. Now, the whole thing is a lie, but listen to the statements. The question is, who are you? I'm Esau. That's who I am. Your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat uh, my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Ooh, that's not just lying. Uh, God did it. No, I, I don't think God's in this right now, okay? He might not want you to put his name in it. But he said, God brought it to me. I'm Esau. God did this. Why are you asking all these questions? 
So then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may fill you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. In other words, he's not buying it. The voice does not sound like it. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Once again, that's a hairy dude. So verse 23, it says, and he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's. Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And then he said, Are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. So, second time, used God in this thing, but he says, I am Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy, but anyway, are you really my son Esau? He says, I am. And then he says, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him. He eats it, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, Come now to me, kiss me, my son. And then he came near, and he kissed him, and he smelled him, even sniffing on him. And his clothing, and he blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field. So we're going to see God bless him. And I'll read this first verse. Of the field which the Lord has blessed, therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, plenty of rain and wine. Let all the people serve you, and the nations now bow down to you. Be master over your brethren. Notice that. Rule over his brethren, what God had said. And let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So anyway, after this is done, guess who shows up? Esau. Esau shows up, and he's like, what in the world's going on? What gives here? So he comes in, and uh, he goes, he makes a savory food. But let's look over in verse 32. So he tells his dad, come and eat. And his father, Isaac, in verse 32, says to him, who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who? Where's the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. Now, people, you know, there comes into our minds, they're saying, uh, well, why couldn't he just reverse it? Why couldn't he just turn around and say, well, that's not legitimate. I wasn't um, in the know. I was deceived, thus the name that is here. People, I can't explain all that to you, but what I can tell you is this, is that from the Scripture, blessing and cursing is a very, very real thing. And as the fathers in their household, as the patriarchs, when they laid hands on something and they proclaimed it, it is so. God heard it, and God blessed it. So it's passed on. And as a matter of fact, he trembles because he says, wait a minute, I've already blessed somebody. And he's like, well, well why can't we do something? He said, no, 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 this, this person's going to be blessed. I have proclaimed a blessing upon him. So he's blessed. And of course, then Esau comes along and he says, well, is there not anything, anything that you can do for me? And of course, he blesses him. Uh, if you look down in verse 39, it says, Then Isaac the father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling place shall be of the fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven above. Uh, by your sword you're going to wind up living, and you shall serve your brother. It shall come to pass uh, when you become restless. He talks about breaking the bonds off of his neck and the constant war between the two. Okay, are the issues between the two of them. Okay. 
So what happens is he is somewhat blessed, but you see even in the proclamation, there's more going on here. There's more going on than just wishing for somebody because why would he say, by your sword you shall live? He sees in this as he's speaking over the person what the will of God is. So he's praying. Now I understand that raises some questions, but it is still so. Now, that being said, where are we? Oh, goodness. Well, we'll just get choir tonight, right? <laughs> I shouldn't have done that old time. Forgive me, I shouldn't yell into the mic, but I got to tell you right now. I looked at Joe, I said, we'll skip choir tonight. It's not happening. Okay, saints. Okay, saints. Let me do this. If you want to study any, I want you to uh, go back and take a look at Jacob as a person. We're going to see a transformation in the life of Jacob, and we're going to see why this transformation takes place, who he is going to become, and ultimately what this name means, both his old name and his new name, to Israel. But we have to get through Jacob before we can get to the children. So that being said, tonight, I want to do something this way. First of all, does anybody need to be anointed for prayer or anything? I want to make sure I'm looking. Anybody? Okay. I am here tonight. If anybody needs special prayer or if anybody is feeling a drawing of the Lord, okay, and you want to talk to somebody, I am going to be here tonight. I'm not going to walk immediately out of the sanctuary, okay? As a matter of fact, I'll be standing right over here. If you want to come and talk to me about Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. But another thing I want you to do is to please, please, please be praying for your church. I am seeing the Spirit of God move in ways that I haven't seen him moving before in this church. So I want you to be praying about that, and I want you to seek the face of God and ask God to have his will and way in this church. Amen? So let me do this. If everybody would stand for just a moment. I want you to pray with me for just a moment. As we're beginning to pray, I would like to ask, is there anyone here that God is dealing with your heart that maybe I need to get with you today or get with you sometime this week? Is there anybody I need to be having special prayer with? Okay, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask your blessing upon this church. I ask your blessing upon these, your people. I ask you, Father, to draw us, to teach us, to help us to learn about you, about your heart, Father, and what you desire for us. Father, may we learn from the lives of these people, these who have gone before us. Father, both in their faults, in their shortcomings, but also, Lord, in their things that they overcome through you, and Father, also what they become. I pray your blessing upon this body. I pray should there be those, Father, that need you. I pray, Father, that they would not depart, but I pray, Father, that we would talk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You're dismissed. Uh, Choir, choir tonight.